0: Hello dear friends this is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable and it is time right now for let's talk about Jesus our weekly bible study right here on our website uh, as we gather around the word of God today I'm going to bring you a a very important message there's no non important messages but it is it is specifically for people living in the last days in the end times of persecution is going to continue to increase exponentially. It's going to get worse and worse as evil men and seducers wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Persecution has always been part of the Christian experience. Amen. The Bible literally, uh, literally says that all those without exception that live godly shall suffer persecution. And God wants us to react and respond to persecution uh, by rejoicing instead of retreating. The title of our message today is Persecution is Here. We Should Rejoice Instead of Retreat. I want to say that again. Persecution isn't coming. It's going to get worse as as time goes on. Uh, and as the world gets darker, the light is be- going to become more apparent and therefore draw more uh, uh, attacks from the enemy. And it's going to come through people and through our culture. But listen carefully today. Persecution is here. We should rejoice and of of retreat. Amen. We're going to find this in the Beatitudes in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading with verse 10 through verse 16. On the theme, Rejoice Instead of Retreat, when persecution comes. It's here. Listen, Jesus said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you, falsely, for my sake. It's always Jesus, isn't it? It's always because we are the followers of Jesus Christ. Verse 12 says how we're to respond to this. It says rejoice and be, listen to this, exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you you are the salt of the earth but if the salt has lost its savor see if we retreat and we do not stand true to God and we do not hold high the banner uh, of Jesus Christ in our generation if the salt has lost its savor wherewith shall it be salted It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill, which cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. You see, we do not retreat, we rejoice, but on a candlestick, and that it giveth light to all that are in the house." Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We should rejoice with exceeding joy when we are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for Jesus' sake, therefore. Amen. Persecution is part of of the Christian experience today we cannot escape it we should embrace it as a badge of our authenticity that we are truly the followers of Jesus Christ amen and we're to let our light shine in the midst of the darkness that is all around us the scripture goes literally says in the new covenant that in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, you shine, we ourselves shine as lights in the world. Let's follow up and look at this in Luke's gospel, chapter 6, beginning with verse 22. It says, blessed are ye when men shall hate you. And when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil, for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and here's that exceeding joy, and leap for joy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, folks, I, I, you know, persecution makes us feel bad, doesn't it? It makes me feel bad. I, I don't like to not be liked. I, I want to be loved. But listen, the world, Jesus put it this way, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But you are not of the world. You see, we are identified with Jesus and the spirit of Antichrist, amen, had already gone to work in the first generation of Christians. It says literally now the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. There is no way that the world is going to accept us as followers of Jesus instead of persecute us. If we were of the world, it would be different. The world would love its own. And we we are warned to beware when... when, uh, you know, everybody speaks well of us, including all the people in the world, because we, we have such a compromised testimony, uh, that, that we, the world is, is not convicted by us, not intimidated by us, and not incensed at the fact that we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are upstream Christians in a downstream world. So let me read this again from the book of Luke. It says, Blessed Luke six twenty two. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company. Somebody asked me one time, will I have to give up my flaky friends if I come to Jesus? And I said what I heard someone say I thought was so good. No, you come to Jesus and you follow Jesus and they will give you up. And that shouldn't be a great sacrifice in light of what you gain. The kingdom of God, the king of glory, eternal life, a friend that's going to stick closer than a brother, a Holy Spirit that is going to become your paraclete, amen, your comforter, Glory to God. Amen. A father that is going to call you one of his own children. Amen. Hallelujah. Heaven and eternity with God instead of hell and banishment from God. Friend of mine, I want you to know today, there's no reason to retreat when we are persecuted. And there's every reason to rejoice. Is it going to emotionally make us feel bad when this occurs? Of course it will. Is God going to fill that place with His love, His grace, and His keeping power? Yes, He is. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen. Rejoice ye in that day, verse 23 says, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. But woe unto you that are are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men listen shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Amen. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Rejoice instead of retreat. Amen. If we... Put our light under a bushel. If we essentially, amen, put out the light that God has called us to be and to hold forth, to holding forth the word of life, the scripture said, amen, in the the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. You shine as lights in the world. How? By holding forth the word of life. By holding forth, by fleshing out, by living out, and by lifting up, a man Jesus Christ, in our generation, in spite of the persecutions. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. Hallelujah. We generally rejoice when we get good news. (laughs) And sometimes we don't even leap about the good news. (laughs) He said this is, this calls for an exceeding gladness. It's a command. It means to leap forth with exuberant gladness. To jump with exceeding excitement. You know, I've seen Christians shout about a few things, but but to shout about the fact, amen, that your friends have rejected you, that people are lying on you and telling falsehoods about you that are untrue for righteousness' sake, for following Jesus. Jesus is not implying at all that we should be happy about persecution itself, but we are to leap for joy for what it represents. Amen. Because it represents that we are the true, blue, bona fide, authentic followers of Jesus Christ. All those that would live godly shall suffer persecution. It's how we respond to it. He's saying you can either retreat by trying to hide your Christian faith and hide your, and therefore be unfaithful to Christ, or you can lift Him up by standing true, standing firm, standing tall. As Paul put it, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. Persecution came to him because of that. Amen. He said, I was beaten with rods on three separate occasions. I fell among thieves. I I, I was stoned and left for dead. Amen. I, I was shipwrecked and I was in the deep for a day and a night. And then he said, am I going to complain? He said, no. (laughs) And <laughs> nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Amen. But the only way to be more than a conqueror when all of these events occur for Jesus' sake and for righteousness' sake is if we rejoice instead of retreat. Someone has said there are four reasons why we should rejoice when persecuted. And one of them is because persecution confirms our relationship. I've said it many times. We should wear persecution as a badge of authenticity. Someone has said that persecution is a certificate of Christian authenticity. We should rejoice that people see Jesus in us. 1 Peter four sixteen says, If you suffer as a Christian, Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. (laughs) Hallelujah. Jesus thinks enough of you to let you share in some of what he went through. After the apostles were put in jail for preaching the gospel and then having to face charges, listen to Acts 5 verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Be- oh, come on, you put- strap on your shouting shoes. You can't leap in those moo-moos, amen, or those Stacy Adams, <laughs> amen. In fact, you might need to slip off your shoes today and get on because you're going to be standing on holy ground as we draw closer to God, amen, and we lift up the name of Jesus. We're going to experience more of the person and power of God than if the persecutions had not come. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, it says, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Suffering persecution is therefore that badge of our discipleship. Persecution also causes reliance today. When we suffer... For his sake, we are more prone to do some self-examination, aren't we? And we're forced to lean on God in ways that we have never done before. And when we do, we see God's power. Paul experienced this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Listen to what he said. He said, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. And lean on the Lord like this, you see. He said, then, Then, at that precise moment when it's getting me down, when it is wearing me down, and I look, I look to God and I look to Jesus like I never would have looked to him in any other circumstance. At that precise point, the sufficiency of grace is granted me. The power that I need to overcome when I feel overwhelmed is granted unto me. Then am I truly made strong. Hallelujah. Persecution also cultivates righteousness. One of the best ways to grow is to go through some grief. I want to say that again. One of the best ways to grow spiritually is to go through some grief. I know some of you uh, that, uh, that have communicated with us uh, the grief that you have experienced in your life because of the circumstances that you have had to go through Amen. And you didn't understand it, and you may not fully understand it, this side of heaven. But we do understand that bad things happen to good people. And controversially, there's some good things that happen to bad people in a world of inequity in a world where 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 we, we live in faulty bodies and we live in a fallen world and we have a foe, a formidable foe in the enemy. Amen. But we have a faithful Father and a faithful God. We will indeed understand it by and by. But right now, God asks something of us. He asks us to trust the one that loved us enough to give us his only begotten son he asks us to to rejoice in the fact that death does not end our hope we are not like others who have no hope we are to be encouraged even in the face of the loss of a loved one listen friend of mine today if we rejoice instead of retreat God is going to use us. He's going to use our testimony. He's going to use our grief to grow us in our relationship to Him and with Him. Faith is purified in the crucible of testing and persecutions and temptations. This is where faith is tested as by fire and it it stands the test. <laughs> Glory to God. The only thing that burns up in the in the face of trials is the dross. Amen. That, that the impurities are burned out and what is left is a pure faith. Amen. No self in it, no self interest in it only for the glory of God and and the greatness of God and the good, the furthering of his kingdom. It's a faith that is filled with selflessness and there is no selfishness in it. It is a faith that rests in God and God alone. Not God in this person, not God in that thing, but in Christ alone. It is a pure faith and therefore it is a Powerful faith, and it will take us through the tough times and the hard times and the trials and the testing. So it cultivates righteousness. Grief in the Christian life can bring growth in the Christian life. First Peter five and ten said, "And the God of all grace, who called you into His eternal glory in Christ after you." Have suffered for a while. Will Himself restore you and make you strong after you have suffered for a while? He will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That's why Jesus mentions the persecution the prophets face before us. They serve as models because their rejection was the rule, not the exception. To suffer for what is right is to be part of a great, company of godly men and women hallelujah amen listen so one great preacher uh, and i'm going to quote him he he said he encourages us to go often to these great men and women of old get inside their hearts and lives put yourself on the rack with them and learn how to love heaven with them Amen. And persecution also, dear friend, it offers a reward. Sometimes when we're suffering, all we can do is focus on is what's to come in heaven. We can jump for joy now because of what's ahead. We may lose everything on earth, but we shall inherit everything in heaven. Everything here is subject to change. That's why the Bible said, while we look not at the things, amen, which are temporal, subject to change. for they are temporary. It, it, but we look at the unseen things, that things that are unseen, for they are eternal. Praise God. That's why someone said, and I like this statement, He is no fool that gives up what he cannot keep for that that he can never lose. People look at Christians and our value system today because we're trusting in that that is to come and not that that is passing this present world. Oh, hallelujah. But we are not the foolish ones. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And it's foolish to trust in uncertain riches. It's foolish to trust in people who are passing In a world that is in a state of change. We can see that this world without God's intervention. And the kingdom that is soon to come is going to pass away. Amen. But he that does the will of God is going to abide forever. Just as eternal as God's word itself is. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Lord will reward us. We may lose everything on earth. It's possible people have lost it all, including their life around the world. As long as Christianity has existed, but we shall inherit everything in heaven. Toward the end of his life, the Apostle Paul had every confidence that God would release him from his difficulties. Listen to what he said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 18. It said, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. But recognizing that God may have other plans, this verse concludes and says, and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. This this promise gave Roland Taylor and Bishop Ridley and John Bradford the impulse to kiss the stakes at which they were burned. After receiving countless lashes that turned his back into just a maze of, of, of skin torn and, and blood flowing, Jesus, his back torn for Jesus, Obadiah Holmes said, you have struck me with roses. How, how, what kind of grace came upon them when they chose to rejoice instead of retreat? A special grace was granted them. How can b- you be beaten like this and say, you have struck me with roses? I remember I remember when uh, uh, years and years ago, I used to, to listen to a preacher who was the son of a preacher, Rex Humbart, who built the Cathedral of Tomorrow, one of the very first mega churches. And he said his daddy went into a town as his dad recounted it unto him. And there was—it was a town that, by and large, uh, people were making a lot of money out of bootleg whiskey during the—the the, uh, during the time when alcohol was outlawed, and therefore it kind of went underground, and the moonshiners prospered, and the people who sold the the uh, bl- liquor on the black market prospered, and this was a town. Where a great revival broke out under his dad's ministry, and it was hurting the bootleggers' trade because they were not showing up in the bars to buy the alcohol. They were they were transformed by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Rex Humbard's dad related to him that they came to him and they threatened him if he didn't shut down the revival. Uh, they there would be consequences. They physically threatened him. That's. Intense persecution, dear friend, threatening with bodily harm itself. (laughs) And and he went on and preached, of course, fearlessly and faithfully, and many more got saved. And true to their word, after the last night of that meeting, they met him. They took him out, out, they used to call it riding you out of town on the rail. They took you to the railroad track, pointed you uh, away uh, and run you down that track away from town. And what they did, they beat him. They beat him and they beat him with fists and kicked him evidently with feet. And he beaten and bruised and bloodied walked down that railroad track in the dead of night out of that town. They wanted to kill him, but God in his grace sustained him through the beating. And as he walked away, his son, Rex Humbart, asked him, Dad, how did you feel when you had to go through that? For the sake of the Gospel, when God didn't deliver you from that, when you were 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 asked to go through that for His sake, how did you feel when you were walking beaten, bruised, and bloody down that railroad track? He said, his dad turned to him and said, "Rex, it was like somebody took a a a a a, a tub of liquid honey and poured it over my head." He said, I've never felt the sweetness of Jesus and the peace of God like I felt. There is a grace for the persecuted when we do not retreat, when we instead rejoice. Obadiah Holmes, after countless lashes, said, You have struck me with roses. In the early days of the church, a Christian offended the king and was threatened with banishment because of his preaching. He replied, Sire, you cannot banish me, for the world is my father's house. The king said he would confiscate all of his possessions. The Christian answered, Sire, you cannot confiscate my possessions because my treasures are laid up in heaven. The king was starting to get furious and told him he would make him live in isolation away from all his friends. The believer stated, and I quote, Sire, you cannot remove me from my greatest friend because he lives within me. Finally, the king shouted out, I'll have you killed, to which the Christian calmly replied, You can take my breath but you can never take my life for my life is hid with God in Christ. Glory be to God. Listen, I want to read right now in closing from Romans 8, 35-39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is a Lord. This is a kingdom. This is a gospel that is worth living for and if it comes to it, dying for. Because there is no hope in this world, we we can't stay here. We can't stay here. There's Everything is passing. Everything is transient. Everything is in flux. But fear not, little flock, Jesus said. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Not just the eternal kingdom of God that is coming, but to place the kingdom within us right here and right now. And that kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, (laughs) it's peace, kingdom peace, peace that passes all understanding, amen. That peace that keeps our hearts and minds when all of these troubles may indeed befall us, amen. And it is joy in The Holy Ghost. Amen. I want you to know the Holy Spirit. Amen. Will manifest to us and remind us that the God of all hope is with us. Praise God. Amen. And because of that, we have hope no matter what happens. For nothing, nothing that could possibly befall us will ever separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And our Savior. Dear friend of mine. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior today. I want you to know. I want you to know. That He loves you today. He wants to give you this hope. He wants you to know the grace and the goodness. That God extends to you today. He paid the price for you at the cross. And He stands ready right now to receive you as his very own. Listen, not too long ago they did an experiment with rats and, and you know I, I, I had a pet mouse when I was growing up. I haven't I haven't had a, uh, you know, a, a, a particularly one of those disease carrying rats. I don't have a, a great uh, compassion for rats, but I I just had a, these lab rats that were used in experience. I just, I don't know. I you know, I couldn't help but feel for, for the poor little fellas. But they put them, they were, they, they wanted to see this particular experiment and how it relates to people psychologically and physically. They put them in a tub of water and there were two tubs of water and one after about 12 minutes of trying to swim and stay afloat without being able to climb out. They lost all hope. And when they lost all hope, they drowned, they drowned. In the other tub, they would leave them swimming till they begin to tire and they would reach down and pull them out. They would recover, they put them back in and they survived. For 24 hours. You know why they did? Because they knew. If I just. Continue to hold on. A little while longer. Someone. Is going to reach down. Someone. Is going to pull me out. And it gave them the hope. To keep on treading water. Today, if you're not a Christian, the Bible says you're without God and without hope in this present world. No wonder people commit suicide. People drink themselves to death. People take the overdose of pills. People people just give up and go into clinical depression. Friend of mine, there's hope in God today. The Scripture actually says that God of all hope filled you with hope in believing. And today, if you'll repent of your sins and you will come to Christ instead of run from Him and receive Him as your Lord and Savior, He will embrace you. God will forgive you. Amen. And receive you as one of His own. And you can live in hope. And you can stand in faith, not in fear. Amen. And we together can represent a different king and a different kingdom and show this world the love of God is stronger than the hate and the fear of man. In Jesus' name, amen.